Well, I too want to welcome all of you joining us online and uh, all of you with Travis and the team up at our Airdrie campus, uh, with Mike and the team at our Bears Paw campus, and Lawrence and the team there at Bridgeland, and Kevin and the team at our South campus that's meeting in our new Sunday morning location at the Cardell Theater, and uh, all of you certainly here at our central campus. We are one church, and uh, we love being one church, and we meet in five locations, right, every weekend for worship, and we love that. Now, beginning this weekend, and taking us all the way to January 1st, we are starting a Christmas series entitled, God Who? And every weekend, we're going to be learning about an attribute or characteristic of God that's revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, if if we're not careful to learn about God straight from Scripture, not our culture, but right from Scripture, the Bible, we might get a wrong idea of who God is. And even for those of us who have been walking with Jesus for quite some time, um, mature in our faith, if we're not careful, we as well can drift and have a wrong view of God. About 14 or 15 years ago, I had a habit, a pattern of memorizing scripture, and I would print out scripture on little cards and put that in my uh, dash, and then as I'd be driving, I'd read a phrase of scripture, uh, meditate on that, and over time, memorize scripture. And there was one verse that I memorized that caused me to have a wrong view of God. I just misunderstood, misinterpreted the meaning of that verse. And that verse is 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Here's a verse. Uh, It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and correctly handles the word of truth. As I was memorizing that verse, what I began to think was that I had to achieve certain things, I had to do certain things in order to present myself to God and for him to approve of me, for him to love me, for him to cherish me, for him to say good job, Kent. And that's not true. That's not a true, that's not true about God. God loves us just the way that we are, period. You and I don't have to do anything more for God to love us or approve of us more. And no matter what we do, he does not approve of us or love us less. I had a wrong view of God. And so through the help of a spiritual director and just some prayer and reflection, I just stepped into that freedom. That God loves me just the way that I am. So our sermon is not about this verse, so I won't get into how to rightly understand this verse, but you can do that on your own. Um, It's important as well that as we think about Jesus Christ, that we look to Scripture to understand who Jesus is, why he came, what he accomplished for us and grow in our knowledge of him. Because at times even, we can fail to connect to the dots about who Jesus is. And we can misunderstand him as well at times. Just watch this video. I wonder what it would be like to be born in a manger. Yeah, I wonder whatever happened to baby Jesus. He he grew up. What? Wait. So you're saying that the baby Jesus Christmas story is the same as the adult walk on water Jesus? Yeah. Thanks, honey. 
<laughs> wow, I just never really put the two concepts together. <laughs> Wonder what happened to that guy, huh? <laughs> he, he went to the cross. That's the same guy? Yeah. So what you're saying is baby Jesus is the same as cross Jesus? Yeah. I mean, there's some time in there, right? I mean, he, he grew up, he taught people, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and came back to life. And, you know, now he lives in our hearts. That's the same guy? The Jesus that lives in our hearts? Okay, I was really, oh, wow. Okay, I never really put all those guys together, you know? Only one guy. I tell you this, here's an idea. Maybe we stop just making Christmas all just this once a year isolated thing, but we make it an ongoing story about the salvation in our hearts and lives. Up top. That's the idea. Skit. Um, has, you know what? Sometimes I'm reading scripture and I think, I didn't connect the dots. Um, the passage of scripture we're going to look at today, Philippians chapter 2. If you brought your Bibles, turn there. Um, this is an extraordinary passage of scripture that describes, communicates to us the truth of who Jesus is, what he did. This passage reveals that Jesus is God also reveals that Jesus was human. It reveals the truth of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, being God, coming to earth. It reveals the reality that Jesus became a servant. He became obedient, even to death on the cross, and then communicates to us that Jesus will lift up Jesus and exalt him, and every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. What an incredible passage that we're going to look at. And so if you are physically able uh, please stand at all of our campus locations as well as stand. And let's read these words together. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Just pray with me. 
God, as we look at your ancient words to us, words that are meant for us even today, to bring us to revelation and right understanding of who Jesus is, we pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, speak truth. Speak truth into our hearts and our minds. Teach us, shape us, convict us, mold us, grow us to become more like your son, Jesus. Teach us more so how we can live to impact the world around us. That's our heart's desire. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. So from this passage that we just read, I want us to answer three questions. Three questions. First is this, when Jesus came down from heaven to earth, what did he leave behind? What did he leave behind? What did he stop being when he came down to earth and became human? Second question is, as Jesus became human and lived among us, what did he take on that was not true of him before? So what did he take on? Third question, why does this all matter? So what? What difference does this make to us today in how we live our lives? So we'll look at three questions. The first question then, when Jesus came to earth, what did he leave behind? Verse 6 says this, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. See, no passage in the Bible more powerfully, more intensely communicates that Jesus is God, truly God. We read here in this verse that Jesus being in very nature God. And the Greek word here, nature, is morphe. And there's no exact equivalent translation into the English language for this word. When we think about Jesus being in very nature God, what we're not talking about is that Jesus came to just show us God. We're not talking about Jesus coming to show us God's appearance, God's likeness, um, God's shape, God's form. We're not talking here about Jesus representing God here on this earth. What we're, what's being said here is that Jesus is the very divine essence of God. The essence of God is the same essence of Jesus. The very unique and identical qualities and characteristics that make up God are the very unique and identical qualities and characteristics that make up Jesus. Jesus and God are of the same substance, the same nature, the same essence, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. John chapter 1, the first five verses say this, in the beginning was the Word. And John the apostle here uh, has a name for Jesus, communicates the truth about who Jesus is, and it's the word, Word, Logos. So John is saying, in the beginning was the Word, who is Jesus. And the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. 
John the Apostle here says Jesus is God. Jesus is deity. Jesus is divinity. This was true of Jesus from eternity past. Jesus always existed. John says here, in the beginning, but there was really never beginning to Jesus and God. Jesus had eternal existence. Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator. He's the life giver. He's the light provider. The very word of God, the very truth of God is Jesus. He was and is God. Jesus is God. Verse 6 here says that um, Jesus then, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Now, when we think of the word grasped, we think of something like uh, an action, like you're trying to grab hold of something. You're trying to acquire something. You don't have it. You're trying to grasp it. You're trying to get it. That's not the meaning here. What we're told here is that Jesus did not continue to hold on to equality with God. The word grasp means to continue to hold on to. You already have it, but you're continuing to hold on to it. And so what Scripture says is Jesus did not continue to hold on to equality with God. Specifically, Jesus did not continue to hold on to his divine attributes. So we see here in verse 6, Philippians chapter 2, Jesus is of the very same divine essence as God. Jesus is God, but something happened when Jesus came to earth. Verse 6, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to hold on to, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus came down to earth. What did he leave behind? He set aside and left behind his voluntary use of his divine power. Jesus left his voluntary and independent use of his divine attributes. Some of your translations say that Jesus emptied himself. He left his divine attributes, his voluntary use of these divine attributes and power behind. He stepped down. He came low. He became a human. He who was the creator of the world, like we just read in John, became a part of his creation. He who had ruled with all supremacy now became a servant. He who had power, all-powerful, became limited in his power. This is what Jesus gave up. He left these divine attributes, divine power behind. So he came down. The second question then, So what did Jesus take on? What was true about him that was not true before? He took on flesh. He became a human. He took on humanity. He became human in every single way that we are, except he was without sin. He committed no sin. Every single other way he became human, humanity, like us. Verse 7 and 8 say, But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, 
he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What Jesus took on, he took on being a servant. He took on humility. He took on a human appearance. He took on obedience, even obedience to death on a cross. Eugene Peterson says it this way. He says that Jesus became flesh and blood, and he moved into the neighborhood. He just moved in right next door to us, like any other human being. But he didn't come to earth as a fully grown Middle Eastern man. That would have been something if God orchestrated that. God could have done that, but he didn't. Jesus came in human likeness. He came into this world conceived in the womb of a woman. And conceived not through human decision, but conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus had an earthly mother, and so he was human. It was humanity. But he has a heavenly father, which makes him divine, which makes him deity, which makes him God. Bible scholars call Jesus the theantropic man. It's a compound word, meaning theos, meaning God, anthropos, meaning human, the God-man. When he was born, he was born just like we all are. And then he had the challenge, like we've all had, of learning to walk, learning to count, learning to eat. I mean, learning so much, learning how to write and read. When he got cut, he bled. When he fell down, he was bruised. He is true, he was true humanity. And leaving behind, Jesus was God. And leaving behind all of his independent, voluntary access to his divine attributes and divine power, he became human. He willingly chose to do that, very intentionally. And he stepped into a world where he was confining himself to human capabilities. Human capabilities, human knowledge, human understanding, human emotions. He became one of us. So, third question now. So what difference does this make? When we think of all this, Jesus is God. Jesus stepping low, Jesus coming down, taking on the appearance of humankind, humanity, becoming one of us, becoming human, becoming a servant, becoming obedient, obedient even to death on a cross. What difference does this make? Why does this matter to us? Three ways this matters. The first is, we have proof. We have proof that Jesus is committed to us. That Jesus is committed to you. This is the difference that this makes. Jesus is committed to you. You see, a lot of us need to be a bit more optimistic. Not just a bit, actually. Optimistic hopeful about our lives and the future of our lives and hopeful about the world. Because Jesus came to earth and he lived among us. And when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, he moves into your life, his spirit, communing, connecting with your spirit. We have Jesus who was God came to live in us and be with us. And those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ with Jesus as our Lord, I mean, isn't this an amazing truth, an amazing reality? And it's proof that Jesus is committed to us. 
I mean, we should be the most optimistic, the most empowered, the most courageous, the most hope-filled, extravagant, loving, joy-filled people as followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, across all of the continents, across all the cultures. We have proof, we have evidence. Jesus is committed to us, Jesus lives in us. And if you're like me at times, occasionally my kids say, Dad, you're just grumpy these days. If you struggle with joy at times, you know, if you find yourself being a bit pessimistic, if you find yourself timid, if you find yourself lacking in love, if you find yourself pessimistic and saying, you know what, I'm just, I give up on trying to change. Give up on trying to change. I'm never going to change. If you're pessimistic about kicking a habit, we've all been here at times. What I want us to see in this passage today that we have reason. We have reason. We have cause. We have evidence, hard evidence here, to change our minds, to think differently, to act differently, to approach life differently because of what Jesus Christ has done, came to earth and lives in us and he's committed to us. This is an incredible truth that we as followers of Jesus Christ need to be confident in and have hope in. Jesus is committed to us. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28, he says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is committed to you. When you feel the weight of life, when you feel the burden of life, when you feel the heaviness of circumstances or situations that you find yourself in, when you are weighed down, Jesus is committed to you and he says, come to me, come to me. And his promise, I will give you rest. Jesus is committed to you. Hebrews 13 verse five. God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Jesus is God. Jesus is committed to you. When you feel alone, when you feel forgotten, when you feel forsaken, when you feel like there's no one else there, Jesus is committed to you. He says, never, never, never will I leave you, never, ever will I forsake you. I'm not going to give up on you, never. Jesus is committed to you. This makes all the difference in the world. Jesus was God. Jesus became human, came low, lived among us, is Lord, and we have him living in us. Romans 8 tells us we have an inheritance. We have an inheritance as God's children, sons and daughters of his. Romans 8 says, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Not some things, all things work for good. Not easy, not without suffering and pain and problems, not like that, but for our good. Jesus is committed to you, to us. Paul goes on in Romans 8. He says, we don't need to be afraid. He's not afraid of trouble, hardship, persecution, nakedness, famine, or danger. He goes on to say, not even death, nor demons, nor fear of the future, nor any power can get in the way of God's love shown towards us. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? Who? Jesus is committed to you. 
He's committed to you. One person thinks that's awesome. <laughs> if Jesus is for us, who? Put a name, who? Or what situation or circumstance could come against us that with Jesus, very God, living in us, we're not equipped to walk through? You see, and I'm not talking here about some naive, positive thinking, positive psychology, positive whatever to life, approach to life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about based on the truth of God's word, we can have confident assurance and hope and joy that we can live out because Jesus is God and he's come to this earth. He's died, he's our Lord, and he's committed to us. And his commitment to us is proven in so many ways, but ultimately through his death on the cross. When we commit our lives to him, he is committed to walking with us. If you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I, we have to wrestle through this reality. We've got to wrestle through this reality that Jesus lives in us and he carries with him all of the divine resources, all of heaven's resources, accessible to us, available to us for him to lead us, for him to guide us, for him to give us with joy, optimistic, hopeful about the future. And this ought to change how we live. It ought to change us in how we think, how we act, how we behave, how we regulate our emotions. It changes what we believe about ourselves. It changes really everything. It changes our whole life. So that's the first reason. Why does this matter? Second, what difference does this make? That Jesus is God. He also came down low to earth to live among us. What difference does this make? Because Jesus was human, you can go to him. You can talk to him. You can go to him. Have you been betrayed? He knows what that feels like. You can go to him. Have you been hurt? He's been hurt. You can go to him. Have you, do you feel sometimes like your prayers are not being answered? He had a prayer that was turned down. He prayed in the garden, Lord, may this cup pass from me. That prayer wasn't answered. You can go to God. Or you can go to Jesus. He's been here and he knows what it's like to be human. Have you had someone that you love die? Scripture doesn't tell us exactly, but the evidence suggests that Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, died. We don't know when, but he passed away. Jesus knows what that feels like. Because he is human, he understands everything that we go through. And you can go directly to him for help in your time of need. He's not a God that looks down on us, arms crossed or something like that, and says, why can't you figure life out? Do better, grow up, try harder. He's not a God that is like that at all. Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry, to be tired, to be in pain and suffering, to feel alone, to be hated, to be betrayed, to feel falsely charged, to be a victim of injustice. He knows it all. He knows it all. And because Jesus was human, you can go to him. Look at Hebrews 4 verse 15. 
Hebrews 4.15 says this, for we do not have a high priest, this Jesus, Jesus is our high priest, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Listen to these words now. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What God is saying to us, you have Jesus. High priest, sympathizes with you, knows everything that you are going through, was human himself, understands and knows it, yet was without sin, so let us then, that's a command, that's a directive, let us then approach the throne, approach Jesus, not with timidity, not with anxious thoughts, but with confidence, confidence, why? So that, that's a promise, that's a commitment, so that you will receive mercy, you'll receive grace and help. You'll get help. You'll get help in your time of need. What do you need these days? What do you need? Where do you need help these days? You can go to Jesus. What are you struggling through? You can go to Jesus and you can do that with confidence, with confidence. He's committed to you. You can go to him with confidence. He understands you can go to him and receive from him, receive mercy, grace, and help. Mercy, grace, and help available to us. Jesus is committed to you. He's, he's ready to help you, to serve you, to strengthen you, to be with you. Third, then, what difference does this make in our lives? Because Jesus is God, there's no middle ground when it comes to a belief in him, an understanding about who he is, a relationship with him, there's no middle ground. You're either for Jesus or you're against him. That's just the reality. That's the, just the truth. You either run to him or you run away from him. People want to resist him, get rid of him, or they'll run to him and follow him. I mean, look at the way in the Bible that people responded to Jesus. It's the same today. There's no moderate relationship with Jesus. You might think that there's a moderate in-between neutral relationship with Jesus, but that's not true. There is no moderate relationship. In the Bible, we see that people, when they understood that he was the son of God, they threw themselves down at his feet and they worshiped him. Or they tried to stone him. What we see is that when they understood in, in Scripture that Jesus was the Son of God, they either left everything behind and followed him or they turned their back on him and went away from him. There's no moderate relationship with God. There's no middle ground with Jesus. With Jesus. Because he is God. There's an idea in our culture called dualism where people think that there's two principles, two forces at work in our world uh, good and evil, right? Just good versus evil. These are active. People think this. This is dualism. Um, 
if you are familiar with Star Wars, there's the dark side and then there's the light side, right? There's yin and yang. We see this in our popular culture. But the Bible does not teach this principle. This is not a biblical principle. You don't see dualism in Scripture. God and Satan are not locked in an endless battle with one another. That's not the case. Jesus is God. Jesus is completely in charge. Jesus is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He has a mission. He has an agenda. He has a plan. The end of history has already been determined and worked out. There's no endless battle between the two. The history and the end of the story is already written. It's already determined. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. And which is why there's no middle ground with Jesus. There's no moderate relationship with him. He's Lord. He's Lord. Will evil and suffering be over? Yes, it will one day. Will injustices, all injustices, be made right? Yes, they will one day. Will wars end and peace reign? Yes, one day. Is there life after death? Absolutely there is. <laughs> Absolutely. And for you and I, for you and I, with all of our flaws and with all of our failures and our stumbling and sin, is there hope for us? Yes, there's hope. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. Jesus descended, came low, took on human form, was human just like us. He lived a perfect life, who was obedient to death, even on a cross, for you and I. And we're forgiven when we receive him in our hearts as Jesus, as Lord. We're made righteous, we're made pure, we're made holy. We have a relationship with God. And there's a time coming when verse 10 and 11 of Philippians chapter 2 will become reality. There's a time coming when at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. There's no middle ground. There's no mediocre relationship with Jesus. This changes everything for us. It changes absolutely everything. Everything. So a question for you, is Jesus your Lord? Is he your Savior? There's something that we do as a family uh, every Christmas. And we've done it for years. And uh, we always have a gift that's wrapped and it's under the Christmas tree, but it's never unwrapped. Um, what we do with this gift is uh, we just pass it around either Christmas Eve and, uh, or Christmas Day. And this gift symbolizes it symbolizes the gift of Jesus to us, to each of us in our family. So we take it, it symbolizes Jesus' gift, and we pass it around, and everybody holds it, and then when it comes to your turn, um, everyone in our family just shares 
what Jesus has done for them this past year. And they just hold the gift and they, and they talk about what they're grateful for. They talk about what they're thankful for. They give testimony of what Jesus has done this past year. It's beautiful. Or we just say, this is what Jesus has done. And uh, that's what we do, this little exercise. And this Christmas, you may decorate a Christmas tree. You might go to Christmas parties. You might um, come home from university, spend time with your family for a few days. You might um, decorate your house. You might decorate your room. You might do a whole lot of things this Christmas season. But it's possible for you to do all of these things and miss. And miss Jesus. And just go on with the rest of your life and miss him. Don't miss Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. God is a giver. He's a giver. <laughs> he gives gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, who's the Father of lights. God is a giver. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son, Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus came low. Jesus says, yeah, I'll go. I'll go to earth. I'll even take on human form. I'll empty myself of my divine attributes, my divine power, my voluntary independent use of those. I will become a human, be limited in human capabilities, and I'll be obedient to you, God, my Father. I'll be obedient, not sinning. I'll be obedient even to death on a cross. Even to death on a cross. That all who believe in him, in Jesus, the verse goes on to say, all who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life with God the Father. So is Jesus, is Jesus your Lord? Is he your Lord? Don't miss Jesus. I want us to spend a few moments in prayer now. All across our campuses and you watching online, just spend a few moments in prayer. You bow your heads, let's pray together. And if you want to, if you want to say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, my Savior. Just say some things to him in your own words. Talk to him, pray to him. Just tell him. Tell him, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Say, Jesus, I believe that you came to earth. I believe you died for my sin. Please forgive me for my sin. Just say that in your own words. Ask Jesus to come and live inside you, to lead you, teach you. Just tell him that you want to follow him. Say something like that. Pray right now. Maybe there's others of you who just know the time has come for you to recommit your life to Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. If you're honest, he hasn't been Lord in your life. You've been running from him. You've been following into habitual sin. You've been resisting him, you've been walking away from him, whatever it is, but you know you need to come back. Do that right now. Recommit your life to Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior. Let's spend a few moments in prayer and just listen to what God is saying to you and respond.